Live from New York, it's Saturday night! Saturday night, starring Madeline Kahn, with special guest artist Carly Simon, Jim Henson's Muppets, Howard Shore and his all-monster band. The not ready for prime time players, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Chevy Chase, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris, Lorraine Newman, and Gilda Radler. Ladies and gentlemen, Madeline Powell. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I have a, a first-time guest on my show. Can we please hear it for Mariel Smithwick? Hello, everyone. Mariel and I, we perform together at the Improv Troupe Comedy Sports here in Houston. Mariel had let us know that she started watching Saturday Night Live from the beginning, and you're going to watch it right through all the what 50 some odd years or 40 some odd years <laughs> yeah i think it's on season 47 now 47 we're going to go all the way back to the first season and we're going to look at the episode 19 from the first season with guest star madeline Kahn. before we begin were you or are you a madeline Kahn fan um yes i was a madeline Kahn fan however it came very specifically from the mel brooks you know, generation of her career. And then it was going back and seeing other things and projects she'd done. Um, so it did stem from, from there. That's where I uh, found her myself, young Frankenstein, blazing saddles, uh, high anxiety, the whole, uh, the whole, and one of my favorite performances of her is in clue. Oh yes, absolutely. So, but we're going back. So this was the first season of Saturday night live. We open up with Chevy Chase pretending to be Ronald Reagan. We get the first of many, many racist jokes throughout this entire episode. Oh, yeah, there's so many. There's so, so many. many. <laughs> and, of course, we always have to say the same thing. Different time, but <laughs> there were a ton. It's Chevy Chase playing the the organ. He's playing the organ, and Garrett Morris is behind him with a saxophone. And throughout the bit, Chevy Chase keeps calling Garrett Morris boy. You can see Garrett Morris getting more and more irritated with him until finally he punches him and Chevy Chase falls on the ground and then live from New York at Saturday night. So how did you think of that as the opening? Have you grasped what the old show had? You, this is 19 shows in. So have you grasped what the old show was like? That it's going to be, it's it's not going to be your 2020 Saturday Night Live. Right. Um, you know, it's a great reminder that that show is very topical. Everything they do is based on what's currently happening in the world. So, you know, they're trying to do their exaggerated snapshot of what it is to connect with the world so that people keep watching and finding them entertaining. Um, and, you know, at the time, that kind of commentary and humor in a comedic setting was allowed and accepted. And and I hate to say encouraged, but it w wasn't frowned upon, obviously, because we're talking about NBC, a major network, um, allowing it to be on the air because that was the world that they lived in. Um, Obviously, it has not aged well. <laughs> no. Well, this was after the Richard Pryor show where Chevy Chase just flat out said the N-word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing is, I will say, while the black um, African-American, the N-word, the the boy, the honk, like, all that is 
obviously more prevalent throughout the first few seasons, but they do really spread uh, quote unquote, the love when it comes to the, the racist commentary or the jokes, you know, um, and even in this episode of Madeline Kahn, when she's, um, you know, Richard, uh, um, yeah, Nixon. Nixon's wife, uh, and she's writing in her journal and, you know, quoting. Yeah, we'll get to that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, they really do spread the quote unquote love when it comes to that kind of stuff. Now, I thought. I hadn't seen this in a while, and and first of all, he's supposed to be Ronald Reagan, and he keeps calling Garrett Morris boy. I, I was it common knowledge that was Ronald Reagan known as a racist at that time, or was that just a? I don't I don't ever remember. I I've heard a lot of stuff said about Reagan, but I never once heard that he was he was a racist. I I agree. I, that was not something that I had. Uh, heard either I think it might have just been for the bit of it um, and I don't know why I guess because Ford was too clumsy to quote-unquote play the maybe the organ as well as Chevy was quote-unquote playing it for <laughs> as Reagan I don't I don't know I don't know but uh, Garrett Morris has a saxophone and he never he never blows at it and I thought that he was I thought it might have been a, fa a fake saxophone, and he was just going to hit Chevy with it, and it would get shatter. But he just ends up fake punching him. Mm -hmm. Chevy rolls off the stage into some chairs, and then he says, live from New York, Saturday night. And then we go to the credits, and then Madeline Kahn comes out, dressed very Annie Hallish, in a, or very, I should say, John Travoltish, in a white suit, look, looking very good. Looking very good, looking very sharp. Yeah, she was stunning. Um she yeah she was that's probably the the best uh meta, you know simile like she she that's a john travolta suit for a woman <laughs> but she was rocking it though so she was as i've said before i've done in my uh, podcast i've said before in the early season i think the show revolved more around the hosts because it was new and they were trying to get viewers in i think shows nowadays uh the host is incidental they work the host in when they can but those first couple of seasons, the host is in pretty much every sketch one way or another. They're working overtime in those first couple of shows. Yeah, they um, if they're not in every single sketch, they they are they're in the big ones to say, you know, they're not um, unless they have like these crazy costume changes and stuff. Um, that is a theme. Yes, the host is it revolves around them completely. Um, you can see they're a little tired and winded by the end when they're saying bye to everybody, which which is awesome for them, you know, and they all rave about what a wonderful experience it is. Well, uh, in uh, Madeline's monologue, she doesn't do she it's Mother's Day. Uh, this so this show was aired right around Mother's Day of 1976. So she sings the song Mother and she sings it. I I, I will give. The writer's credit is they play to her strong point. Not only is Madeline Kahn an excellent comedian, she is also an excellent singer. So she ha they had her sing her monologue, which is a strong point for her, and mm -hmm. not doing a traditional stand-up monologue. Right. Um, well, the crazy thing is, I think they let the hosts have a lot more flexibility in the beginning as they were feeling out the, the monologue from those hosts, because some hosts just kind of flounder through it and look like so uncomfortable um, or they just struggle with how to get through it. Um, and in her amazing skill set that she has, you know, she just owns it from the moment she walks out there and does balance that comedy with the singing uh, with Mother P. Um, and it's it's just hilarious. Um, and I think as the show progressed, they got better about helping their hosts as needed so that they really shined um, because you did have your stand-ups that would get up there and they did great, you know, um, but then you had the actors, so to say, you know, and who don't do stand-up at the time. And um, there was just a big difference. Yes. Yeah. There was a, a huge, huge difference, but she pulls it off. And then we, our next sketch is John Belushi being the wilderness comedian. <laughs> so he was a Catskills old timey uh, comedian and he he's just in the wilderness performing for animals. 
And uh, Dan Aykroyd does the voiceover, mm-hmm. which I thought was odd because they have Don Pardo. I thought Don Pardo would do the voiceover, for it, but Dan Aykroyd did the voiceover for this. And this is just an old school comedian performing. And I love puns. And this sketch was just just John Belushi doing a bunch of puns and in front of a bunch of puppets. So I loved it. You know, that's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's actually just a really simple kind of back to, I hate to say grassroots, but grassroots, you know, you know, Shecky, you know, that was a character's name comedy that just is that, you know, knee slapper kind of thing. It's not meant to be this political statement. It's just goofy ass humor. <laughs> Yeah, it was just goofy. They did a good job. The early shows, I thought they did a good job of keeping the sketches short. There is mm-hmm. actually there's a long sketch in here, and we'll get to that. But for the most part, they keep the sketches short, which I think has been a detriment to the older seasons of Saturday Night Live because they go into these really long sketches that seem to run out of gas halfway through, So, but they're still stuck with another two or three minutes that they have to go. Mm-hmm. I think it was very smart keeping the sketches shorter at the beginning, uh, and and we and we had one long sketch, but I like the length of the sketches here, and you get you get much more of them as well. And again, I think that was just part of figuring out what their rhythm was, you know, um, and what worked and what didn't. And obviously, I think a lot of it is the host, you know, what kind of what could they handle, um, character wise, comedy wise, sketch wise, so. We see the a majority of shorter sketches. Yes, and I think Madeline Kahn is perfect for Saturday Night Live. A singer, a comedian, a performer, an actress. Oh, yeah, she hit the trifecta. Like She was just everything they needed in a host. Our next sketch is not for ladies only. A side note, whenever there was a female host, I think that benefited the female performers because they got to be in more sketches. Mm-hmm. With uh, with the host being female, uh, you hear a lot of stories about misogyny in the first couple of years of Saturday Night Live. Because I did a podcast with Lily Tomlin, and mm-hmm. like the Lily Tomlin podcast with Madeline Kahn, with a female host, the 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 women get to do a a little more than they would in a regular show, which is pretty much all. The first season was pretty much all male, specific specifically Chevy Chase dominated. Oh, yeah. And the females were literally just supporting characters. Yes. Um, But as the seasons wear on, we see, you know, Lorraine and Jane and um, Gilda just thrive. And and every female host, you're right, especially with Lily and all them, they just have these big numbers and these big sketches that were no guys were in it. You know, and it was just like this sketch for not for ladies only. It's just. Gilda and Madeline. Gilda is playing her character Barbara Wawa, which mm-hmm. is a takeoff on Barbara Walters. Lily is playing Marlena Deutschwin, which is a takeoff of Marlena Dietrich, which mm-hmm. is a takeoff we mentioned earlier, Mel Brooks. This is sort of a takeoff of her character in Mel Brooks with the lisp and all that. Right. Um, yeah, and it becomes a super fun game of what words they're replacing with their lisp and their W's and not understanding each other. And um, just those honest reactions of like, I don't know what word you're saying, but keeping it together and pushing forward. It's super fun. Good evening and welcome to Not For Ladies Only. I'm Barbara Wawa. Tonight, we'll be talking to an actual living legend, the incredible Marwina Deutschwen. Thank you. It is great to be here. Marwina, what is it like to be a living legend? It has been a really rich experience. I'm so impressed. You're so wide and slender. How do you stay so swim? Uh, uh, swimming keeps me swim. My daily regimen includes swimming 12 laps in my pool. It is wonderful for my legs. Marwina, tell us your secret of perpetual youth. Uh, I get massaged regularly. (laughs) And I have had everything lifted. You mean you've had your legs lifted? Everything. Even uh, my wheel. What? My wheel. Your wheel? What? 
Uh, let's drop it. Uh, wow, you've it up. The little wordplay that they have. It is a super fun sketch. And and this is something that I'll say. It, if, if Madeline Kahn was reading cue cards, I could not see it. I could not tell. It, oh, yeah, no. She's smooth as butter. Like, you could. Because I mean, sometimes you get those hosts where you can just blatantly tell that they're <laughs> they're not only re- they're staring at the cue cards, but and also Gilda, but they nailed it. I'm impressed in two ways. If they have the sketch memorized, I'm impressed. And if they're using cue cards, I'm impressed because you could not tell. Right. And the energy between them is super fun. Like they're literally just feeding off of each other. So it makes you even wonder how much of that was, you know, written on a cue card, you know, just that fun. Cause there are a couple of times their faces where it literally looks like, I don't know what word you mean, but we're going to just keep going. And it just has this incredible fun energy of just the wordplay. For example, when she's like, you know, it Madeline Kahn's talking about, lighting but it comes out as writing and Barbara Wawa is like oh I didn't know you were a writer and she's like I'm not and it's just this great fun byplay of what they're trying to say with this lisp and this W and I think at one point Madeline even starts talking a little like Barbara Wawa with the W's um and it's it's very fun and then we keep with the female because the next sketch is uh the all women slumber party <laughs> mm-hmm do kids still have slumber party? You have a couple of children. Do kids still have slumber parties, or is that sort of a, a bygone thing that doesn't happen much anymore? No, they absolutely do. Now, obviously, oh, they do. Okay, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the pandemic has changed a lot of what that looks like, but yes, kids still have sleepovers. It's still a thing. And this was Madeline with all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, female characters. They're playing children. I wouldn't say children. I would say. Preteens, maybe preteens. Like, I would think young adolescents. Yeah, and they're having a sex talk, uh, but they get ar- but they get around it by uh, Madeline Kahn would whisper the dirty stuff in their ears, and they would just all go, "Oh, gross!" And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was um, very true to what a sleepover is, what that looks like, you know, the desperate mom yelling, like, go to sleep, um, and just their misunderstandings and misinformation about what these adult topics really are, what they look like, what they sound like, like how things function. Um, And it's their version, their take on it is super, super fun. And it makes you like, have fun filling in the blanks for the things you can't hear because they whisper. Um, it's like, what, how does that even connect in their minds? But, you know, um, it's so true. Kids don't want to know that their parents had sex and created them. Um, you know, uh, and you hear them go through that, like, oh, well, my parents must've done it twice. Cause there's me and my sister, you know, and it's just that fun, like, preteen logic of how adult choices work (laughs) and how they vow to never do those things yes they vow never to have sex (laughs) uh it the weird thing is is we we now live in an age of a ton of misinformation and just sit that that sketch right there to me is just the epitome of misinformation how how misinformation just gets out there just just on a smaller scale than than right. than, than television at the time at the time that was how it happened in these you know face to face small group interactions or via you know the television or radio or newspaper but now uh misinformation just spreads that much faster because of social media and our ability to communicate in a second you know um but we're we're literally watching you know old school the sharing of misinformation and it's yes. they do it beautifully they do do it beautifully then we have our next sketch is it's Garrett Morris as uh, Ma- Ma- I can't pronounce the name that he uses, uh, but he's an African prince looking mm-hmm. for American fondue sets. Yes. 
<laughs> well, what's funny is, um, to me, not that sketch, but what's funny is um, that the Nigerian prince thing is, you know, asking for something because that's that's a scam now. And this is yes. back in 1976. So that's quote unquote scam has been prevalent for quite some time. <laughs> um, and, you know, SNL did a great job of having their little joke scam set up, you know, mail this to blankety blank and they'd have the, you know, 30 rock address or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, to me that just, I appreciated that that thing was still relevant. The Nigerian Prince thing is still relevant now in 2021, you know. I think that I've seen this. I think this was from another show. So I think they might have, I because I, I, I've seen this before. So either this was from another show or they played this again in another show. Mm-hmm. But and one it could thing, have just been a filler because Madeline has the big number coming up after this. So Right. The 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 drum that I have pounded since I've done every time I've done an episode of Saturday Night Live is Garrett Morris is criminally underused in mm-hmm. all of these shows in the first couple of seasons. He is oh, just, definitely. Yes. He's even less used than the women. He's in sketches where he doesn't say a word. He just stands there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he you're absolutely right. He is one of the most underutilized, so talented. Um, and, you know, um, it it's just kind of heartbreaking. He is used less than the women. And when he is used, it's for very specific um, purposes like this Nigerian sketch or he's an African warlord or he's getting mad at them for using, um, you know, calling him boy or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's very like he is put into this little square box and that is it um, for a long time in the beginning of SNL. And it just sucks. Our next sketch is Chevy Chase talking to the Muppets. I believe this might have been the last Muppet show, uh, the last show that the Muppets were on. But I know the writers hated writing for the Muppets. And I think that might have been a a big reason why the Muppets didn't last on the show. Yeah, I didn't know that they hated him. I also didn't know the Muppets were on the early years of the SNL. So um, I was pleasantly surprised when I first saw them and saw that they were reoccurring. But yeah, they did not last long at all. Um, And that kind of makes me sad. It was, you know, like I said earlier, you know, they were feeling their way through things. So... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they were definitely trying to find out what worked and what didn't. And the Muppets definitely didn't work. The gist of the sketch is the Muppets know they're on their way out. And uh, they're asking Chevy Chase to put in a good word with Lauren Michaels. Right. And they do that with almost every cast member um, at some point uh, throughout several shows right before they get the boot. Um, even, Even begging hosts, you know. (laughs) <laughs> what I think is funny is Chevy Chase says the line, well, I think the show has gone to Lauren's head. And that is exactly what happened to Chevy Chase. The show went to Chevy Chase's head. Uh, and, and so I just think it's funny that Chevy Chase is saying that the show might have gone to somebody else's head. Oh, yeah, total. Like, oh, hello, pot, me kettle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as you and I had discussed, uh, you know, recently, him leaving was the best thing for everybody. So yeah, he flourished after he after uh, he left, and the cast flourished as well. Now Chevy Chase has gone back and said that leaving Saturday Night Live was one of the worst mistakes that he made in his life. He said he should have stuck around. He basically did it for a woman. He followed a woman to California. Yeah, and then apparently immediately got divorced once they got out there. So <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I could see where that regret was, but I mean, he ended up having a really solid career, so it wasn't terrible for him, you know? No, no, Uh, it wasn't terrible for him at all. Uh, yeah, he did have a solid career. And as I had spoken with you before, like everyone really just burst out of their shell once he's gone, because now there's just tons of stuff to share with everybody. It's not chevy heavy um so we just see some of the best character actors 
get to do their thing and it's well glorious. after the first season uh, so chevy chase leaves and then the muppets leave after the first season and then there were they were showing uh short films that so uh, they they cut a lot of stuff uh, mm-hmm. from the first couple of seasons that allowed the, the not ready for pl- primetime players to have more screen time they, they cut a lot of stuff just to, to for the actors in my opinion worked beautifully because we just got to see some really great sketches really great characters and we just got to see them do their thing as opposed to just these little snippets um i was not a fan of the movies that they did at the time the films um but yeah there's one in this episode that we'll talk about i wasn't either but like there they were just feeling it out what what's going to work and what's Mm -hmm. not right and then our next it's not a sketch, but our next number is Madeline Kahn. So she's reprised her role from Blazing Saddles earlier in the show. And here she reprises her role as the Bride of Frankenstein from Young Frankenstein, where she mm-hmm. sings I Feel Pretty, dressed as her character from uh, Young Frankenstein. Yes, and it is hilarious. Um <laughs> You know, it just, she was already funny. Um, you know, you can't just, you, you as a comedian know, you acting in a comedy is hard, right? It's all about timing. Like some people have it and some people just don't. Obviously she had it, right? Mel Brooks saw that and you can see what working with him did for her because she just became that much better. Um, and her commitment to what she does is phenomenal. For me, you know, the obviously... You can't argue that her vocals are outstanding, um, but the physical humor is just amazing. You know, being able to dance that way in a full costume and a giant wig and still hit those high notes and the screams and just be completely engrossed in what she's doing. It's wonderful. Fritz, the storm, it's passing over the mountain. Send up the Send up the kites. The cast come out as villagers during her song. So this was just another one of those things where we've got to get the cast in us somehow. They came out carrying torches. Mm -hmm. But I think this was the early stages of where we see the SNL cast can be multi-talented and have, you know, those musical numbers, which they start to have more of and more of and more of as the show goes on. So the guy playing the piano, that was Paul Schaefer from... Late Night with David Letterman fame, and also from Saturday Night Live fame. I couldn't tell because he had this big wig on. I was like, is that Paul Schaefer? I looked it up on IMDb. So, yes, that was Paul Schaefer doing his best Igor Mm -hmm. uh, with this big wig on and playing the piano. (laughs) Yeah, it was very fun. Um, It was a really great number, I thought. Yes, the SNL cast, you see him trudge out there as the the villagers, and um, it... It was a really, really good number of fun, energetic, and just really, everyone really committed. I laughed my little butt off. It was great. <laughs> then our next is Weekend Update with Chevy Chase. 
And uh, the weekend updates, as you said, Saturday Night Live was a topical program. So the weekend updates don't really age that well because they're talking about stuff. This was mainly talking about President Ford mm-hmm. and campaigning and, and all that, which is pretty much irrelevant nowadays. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing is, like, because Chevy was the anchor, it was um, hitting a lot of the, those same jokes, you know, Um Every time, all the time, you know, with the Italian dictator who was dead. Yes. Um, that I think that was hit several times <laughs> throughout uh, Weekend Update. Almost yeah, that was a running update. gag. Right, and it was a running gag, but he had a lot of running gags <laughs> that he was very committed to. Um, so I had an, I've enjoyed seeing Weekend Update grow from when it was just him uh, with occasional guests. Uh, to contribute. <laughs> well, during uh, during weekend update, we have a commercial parody with Jane Curtin and Madeline Kahn, based yeah. on the old Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. Mm-hmm. Except uh, it's for pantyhose. So Madeline Kahn is wearing pantyhose, and Jane Curtin's <laughs> like, "Those those pantyhose are soaked." Yeah, and it's first of all. <laughs> And she ends up taking them off and wringing them out. You're like, oh, God, I hope that she grabbed those from under the counter. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just this great parody of it. Um, testing the the strength of the pantyhose by putting a, <laughs> a cup of coffee on it with the saucer and what holds and what doesn't. Um, and, it, you know, she puts them on and then proceeds to wipe the counter with. <laughs> well, her- if you if you watch that sketch carefully, it was. It, it's one of the things of live television. She was supposed to knock some cream over, mm-hmm. but they never really knocked it over. It was just really awkward. And uh, she just ends up wiping a, a dry counter off because she was never able to spill the milk. <laughs> <laughs> but yay, but that just goes to show, you know, she handled it beautifully and just made it work. You know, yep. um, uh, it was really fun. And the Jane Curtin's wig just cracks me up in that because it's just enormous. Um <laughs> But she commits to the bit, even though the setup wasn't there for it. She committed and she wiped that counter. <laughs> uh, and then we come back and one of the best characters, one of the Emily Latella, uh, mm-hmm. Gilda Radner's Emily Latella. She's supposed to be talking about violence on television and she starts going on about violins on television. And I always get a warm whenever I see uh, Emily Latella or Rosanna Rosanna Dana just always makes me smile. Oh, yeah. Um, cause you know what, you know what the bit's going to be, right? It's going to be miss, mishearing something and getting all, you know, worked up about it or with, uh, Rosanna Dana getting really grossed out by whatever information she's oversharing. Um, but again, just that commitment to the bit and just, you know, hitting those buttons with, you know, once she's corrected as Emily Latella, you know, oh, never mind, you know, just that very sweet ending to, um, her, her tirade that's, you know, misplaced. Um, it's just wonderful. And it, changes the energy of of weekend update when she's on there and it's great if you're any fan of saturday night live you know the first couple of the first season garrett morris was he was uh, for the school of the hearing impaired it was our top story where he would yell well this newscast they do the top story as a cow so garrett morris gets replaced by a cow in this episode. It's like, that's got to add insult to injury, where one of your classic bits, you're replaced by a cow. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, they tried a couple different things in between uh, the cow and then the school for the uh, not living, and then they just have like a dead guy, you know, just sitting there not translating for anything. Um, And then they eventually went back. (laughs) carrots thing because it worked the best but yeah insult to injury like seriously like it's one of the few things he gets to do and just be him you know uh and then our next is uh we have our musical guest carly simon but she wasn't there she recorded the songs earlier and then they played them during the show but she recorded them at rockefeller center in front of the saturday night live audience so i don't know when she but she recorded the songs for Madeline Kahn's show. 
Yes. So, um, <clears throat> funny thing about the musical guests. Um, if I didn't know who the musical guest is or was, I don't watch them perform. Now, Carly Simon, of course, I do know who it is, and I did watch her songs. Um, but yeah, at first I thought Madeline Kahn was just kidding when she said, she's not here, they're pre-recorded because she wanted to watch herself live. I was like, wait, was that like a failed joke? No, no, yeah, you're right. It was pre-recorded. Um, I never, you know, heard as to why it was, but, you know, Carly Simon's Carly Simon, right? She had yeah. not been out for a while before then. Uh, and then she does the song, Give uh, give Half a Chance, and of course her big one is You're So Vain. So she did do her big hit uh, on the show. Right. And like Chevy. you said, Carly Simon is Carly Simon. Beautiful voice, yeah. excellent yeah. songs. Yeah, and then Chevy is one of her backup singers. <laughs> yes. Chevy was always, I'll give this to Chevy, he was always working to be on screen as much as possible, which chapped the ass of John Belushi to no end. John Belushi could not stand because before, John Belushi was always the alpha dog, wherever, when it was in high school or Second City or even in Lemmings. When Chevy Chase, it was a road show. Chevy Chase and John Belushi performed together in Lemmings. John, uh, John Belushi was always top dog. And now the fact that Chevy Chase was the top dog, Belushi couldn't stand it. And it's stuff like that, just working yourself into being a backup singer for Carly Simon, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the truth is, you know, they always say winners want the ball. Like, and Chevy was every opportunity he was going to get in front of that camera. That's, yes. that's all there is to it. Then we have we have the one sketch that predominantly uh, has Dan Aykroyd in it. It's called Final Days. And <laughs> as you brought up earlier, it's they're talking about the final days of Richard Nixon. And it's told through Madeline Kahn, who's playing Pat Nixon. She's writing in her diary, uh, mm -hmm. talking about um, uh, Nixon going slowly crazy in the White House. Yeah. Um, so one of the great things about Madeline, one, one of the many great things about Madeline Kahn is her ability, in my opinion, to sound under the influence, you know, almost immediately. She has just one of those great character voices that allows. So you get, she makes it sound as if Pat is, you know, either hello too much wine or whatever, or just doesn't, you know, give a flying F about what's going on. Um, and it just really adds to the, the energy and um, her feelings towards her husband um, and just the straight way that she can get the laugh you know she's like dick's leg was painting him today and it was real swollen and he said it hurt really bad and she's like good you know <laughs> it's just the, those simple little not overdone punches that just get the laugh you know it's just so well done but then we see dan Aykroyd do his richard nixon which is great but at that point, Dan, uh, Dan grew a mustache, so he was doing Richard Nixon with his big old mustache. And yeah, I mean, he just—I mean, mustaches were a thing then, right? Yeah, like and you don't really <laughs> notice it because he does such a good—he does such a good Richard Nixon. He—he's hunched over. He's his suit is the slightly uh, a little small. It's just yeah. little touches. Uh, and then uh, John Belushi as uh, Henry Kissinger. Uh, so just those two going back to back, uh, yeah. going head to head. You, you, Kennedy, you always look so good. They're going to find out about you someday. Though. Oh, yes. Yes. Having sex with women, the president within these very walls. That never happened when Dick Nixon was in the White House. Never. 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 Never, never, never. I think Henry Kissinger was the first one to suggest that resignation was inevitable. Now, he told Dick not to think of it as a resignation, but as humiliation with honor. I think the last time that they spoke to one another was on that same night. Never, never, never happened. Uh, Mr. Never. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, uh, uh, 
I, I just spoke with your lovely daughter and your charming son-in-law, and uh, they expressed a deep concern for your well-being, which I, of course, share, when they suggested I come down here to cheer you up. You know I'm not a crook, Henry. You know that I'm innocent. Well, uh... <laughs> I am, Henry. I had nothing to do with Watergate, the bugging of Watergate. I had nothing to do with the cover-up. Right. Nothing to do with the break-in of Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's right. office. Right. Nothing to do with the guy who was killed in Florida. What guy was killed in Florida, Mr. <laughs> you mean you don't know about the, the young Cuban who was run over by the... Never mind, Henry. Get down on your knees and pray. Pray with me. Pray with me, Henry. Oh, Mr. President, please. We've got a big day tomorrow, uh, so why don't we just get into our jammies and go sleepy time? So fun. So fun. Such a dynamic duo. The Henry Kissinger, every time he was Henry Kissinger, Henry Kissinger, I just, like, he just made me giggle so hard. You know, yes, but Ackroyd's Nixon is phenomenal. Yeah. And of course, but in this, Ackroyd keeps referring to Henry Kissinger as, uh, as Jew boy, he keeps referring to him throughout the sketches yes. that. Yeah, so this was the sketch that, you know, we just touched on earlier when we were talking about, you know, racist commentary and just, you know, the use of language that just doesn't fly today. This sketch has got tons of it. Yeah. Um, even from Madeline Kahn herself, you know. Yeah, and- Madeline Kahn makes several Asian slurs. Mm-hmm. And she's crediting it. She's crediting it. Crediting it. Crediting it. She's crediting it to Richard Nixon. Right. But yes, but it's several it's several different derogatory terms for Asians that she says throughout uh, throughout writing in her diary. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's very heavy within that sketch. <laughs> All around. Yeah, it's not subtle. It was just very <laughs> Now I have now I have heard that uh, Nixon was pro- probably slightly racist, so that's probably where that came from in those jokes right and probably because they were late night television and could toe the line so they They could get away with a little more yeah so they did it you know and then garrett morris comes in as sammy davis jr (laughs) 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 and this sounds awful but when he was doing a sammy davis jr all i could think of was billy crystal does a much better sammy davis jr Yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't his best, his best work. Um, no, but as you said, he's like, well, we need a, we need a black guy to do a black guy, so let's get the black guy to do the black guy, and it was okay, so let's do it. And yeah, and I mean, he he always committed to what he had to do, so you I mean give him that, even if it may not have been what he liked or it wasn't one that he could do, but he did it, you know, and did his he best. He did it, yeah. Then we have then we have a film by Gary Weiss. What? Weissen? I should have. I can't read my own writing. Weiss, yeah, Gary Weiss. Weiss. Gary Weiss. And it's just the song "New York Is My Home," intercut with sports fans yelling at various sports games in New York. I didn't really think much of the film myself. It- <laughs> you know, um, I didn't either. I just kind of like. I sort of zoned out during it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fast. I was like, okay, I don't know what's happening. And I, you know, did the 10-second jump ahead to see, like, oh, anything else? No. No, no, it's the same joke over and over again throughout the film. Yes, yes. No bueno. Yeah. Uh, Then we come back with a Chinatown sketch with uh, John Belushi doing Jack Nicholson and Madeline Kahn doing Faye Dunaway. Mm -hmm. And it's also a sketch that features their singing. Because Belushi can sing, not as well as Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn can really sing. No, but he held his own. Like he held were, his own. They had that. That was such a fun, like just back and forth. And uh, I, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't know that they were gonna sing. So when he bust out with, you know, I will follow him. I'm like, oh, how fun! And then the, you know they have that little back and forth, and it's he held his own with her. And it, he did help. He, he did fun. hold his own, and he did a. Jack Nicholson impression, and what I liked about it, he did he didn't go full Jack. He, he it was a very subtle 
you could tell he was doing Jack Nicholson, but it was a very subtle Jack Nicholson. He wasn't doing over the top like most impressionists do. I, no, I yeah, thought that just, was really nice. Just the way he he captured the essence of Jack Nicholson without turning it into a uh, a parody of Jack Nicholson. Yeah, it was a nice flavor, and that could have been also to balance out um, being able to sing and commit to the to the other part of what he needed to do. But yeah, you're right. It was a great smooth, and that also wasn't the energy of that skit, right? It was this very you know they did it black and white the the gumshoe and that whole thing so um it just fit the way he did it the flavor fit the 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 specificity of it without going over the top yeah it was a really great work uh, then we have we had uh, Madeline Kahn and Gilda Radner doing abstract impressions <laughs> yes and it was uh, Madeline Kahn doing a baby that's that has uh, had ice cream for the very first time. And it was Gilda Radner learning, uh, being a parrot, learning how to talk. I love, I loved it, but it was just, it just, it was just like really out of play. It was like, it was a time filler. I don't know, yeah. but it, I, I loved it. It was just the two very funny ladies just uh, going back, you know, just going back and forth with really abstract, weird impressions. Yeah, you know, it's not consistent throughout the first few seasons when they do stuff like that. And it makes it very much seem like we need just like two or three minutes, not even, right, of of something. And they're just like, well, I can do this thing. Because um, Lorraine Newman does that a couple of times with her sound effects and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's very much a time filler. Um, and it's a fun one when... <laughs> You have two very, you know, hilarious ladies like this. The baby, when when Khan does the baby, I just die because that is very much what a kid's face looks like when they get ice cream for the first time. Um, it's wonderful. I love it. And then we end the show with a song. Madeline Khan sings uh, as the little stars go by, a little star or something like that. Well, you know, she has an amazing voice, and why not go out that way? So, and it wasn't comical; it was a straight song. She yes. uh, she sings a straight song. She has a great voice. Yes. You know what's funny is well, not funny. You know, she sang this, um, and if I remember correctly, there was no screenwriting coming up. Right? Normally, um, it's like when Garrett sings because he is a trained singer. Every time he sings, they always start putting words on the screen, doing the scroll. Uh, the crawl, like from Star yeah. Wars, um, and they didn't do that for her, <laughs> which, so it's just one of those other, all right, Garrett, we know you're good too, but Madeline singing, so we're going to give Madeline 100% of the attention and not put yeah. any jokes in here. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be any abstract jokes. But she was, she was, I mean, Madeline Kahn was amazing and phenomenal, and, you know, she comes back again to SNL later, and yeah. later, uh, I think a year later, not even, um, and she kills it again. So it's just, she's just awesome. And then that's the end of the show. Uh, and it's really, it's like, she's like, thanks, you know, thank you for everybody. And the cast comes up and it's really weird just seeing a handful compared to like the end of the show now where it's a thousand people on the stage. It's yeah. just like those five, six people. It's like, and at first I thought I didn't see Garrett Morris come out at first. And I thought, oh, did he, I wonder if he got pissed and didn't show up at the end of the show because uh, something like that, like um, when Chevy Chase came back and he had a, he had a fight with Bill Murray, like Bill Murray didn't really stick around to do the final goodbyes, but he eventually came out and it was everybody on the stage. And it's just a really different picture with just a handful of people compared to how many they have out there nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, and probably nowadays it's just like a perk of being back there. You know, like, all right, everyone come on out. Yeah. <laughs> they probably like the way it looks more full as opposed to just the few handful of people. Um, but, you know, depending on the host, because sometimes when they the host ends where the band is, then there's the band people kind of get into the shot as well. So I think, yeah, just depending on where they are um, and ultimately who it is. But, yeah, yeah. it is yeah. a very different picture. And then Don Pardo does Don Pardo auditions to say Don Pardo does a bit over the closing credits about uh, he tries to sing and get in the show or something. It's not it's not particularly funny. That's uh, that's how the show ends. So I thought I love the show. I love Madeline Kahn. I thought it was really a really solid showing 
this is where I think Saturday Night Live, it's they haven't hit their stride yet, but they're about to hit their stride. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, Scott. They had not quite gotten there yet, but they were well on their way to really figuring it out. Um, and it's great to see. It's great to see that discovery and the gelling of everyone as they really get the fire going. And that's it. Uh, so, Mariel, is there anything uh, anything you want to promote or any where can people find you or do you want to give out your you don't have to do that if you want to. I did a um, I did a podcast with uh, Emily, our 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 fellow player, and she just uh, gave out the this uh, buy a teacher a fucking drink. If you know a teacher, buy him a fucking drink. Uh, so if there's anything, <laughs> any words of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with, please go ahead right now. Uh, I agree with Emily. If you know a teacher, buy him a fucking drink. Um, but also, uh, just raise a mom up. Moms do with a do a lot of a lot of work on the the sidelines and behind the scenes, and they also need the love. Uh, so just help one out when you can. All right. Yes. So buy a teacher a fucking drink and hold up the moms whenever you can. And uh, once again, I want to thank uh, Mariel for doing this with me, and we'll see you here next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. It's been lovely. You've all been lovely. And I just want to personally thank Carly Simon for singing on the show that I'm on. I was really honored to have her here. And um, thank you to everyone. And, and, and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. And uh, Muppets were Frank Oz and Jerry Nelson. Next week, Saturday night's host will be Diane Cannon. This is Don Pardo, and if Ron Michaels is listening, I do a fantastic impression of the Beatles, and I sure could use the money. She loves me, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hold your hand. I guess he's not listening. Oh, well, good night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. has been a Cross the Streams media podcast.